field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, the only podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team that's hosted by me, John Greenberg, and more importantly, intrepid reporter James Fegan. Subscribe to White Sox Business on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check out James's and my work on The Athletic as well. Soxtown, James? Soxtown. The White Sox clobbered the Cubs in the first two games of their Crosstown series. They hit 11 homers to the Cubs' 13 hits. You were there for all three games, including Sunday's Cubs win. What was your takeaway your, or your takeaways from the series? Um, I guess Jose Abreu is not dead yet, I guess, would be a primary takeaway. Um, Can we put the Undertaker uh, gif in there? Is it, is it possible to put a, a gif or gif in, in, into a podcast? Uh, yeah, the offense obviously had a lot of explosiveness to it. It kind of felt like a 2019 juice ball again, but you know, it was just legit and just – um, you know, Monty Grandal probably as importantly as anything, uh, you know, was, was part of it and, and seemed to be kind of alive again with his offensive approach. Um, yeah, you, you kind of saw, it's funny to write about the Friday before the series starts, you know, this offense kind of swings and misses a lot, but it's hard to deny that they've been productive and have a lot of power hitting. And then you kind of see all the temptation of, just kind of buying into this the first two games that just absolutely obliterate mediocre pitching. Uh, and then, you know, a Kyle Hendricks on an off night, but then you see an actual, uh, you know, elite pitcher in, in his, uh, you know, who's, I want to say his prime, but you Darvish is pitching probably as well as any point in his career right now. And he kind of really dominates them and shows the huge swing and miss issues. And, and yeah, um, how much can you really criticize an offense for being dominated by you Darvish right now, but also, um, maybe that kind of looks like how this offense might struggle um, in this, you know, theoretical playoff environment that you know I've, I've heard so much about but never seen with my own eyes. Uh, that you know they seem to be bashing their way too at this point. Right, and it's like you know we were talking about before the game. I know in the press box and everything, just John Lester. Yeah, they hit lefties well, but John Lester's a guy you know who's a veteran. He knows how to exploit them. They have a pretty good pitching infrastructure you know, to come up with game plans. But Lester's also the kind of guy where he doesn't really have the stuff to get away with mistakes anymore. And anytime he left one up, you know, those, those guys made him pay pretty quickly. I mean, you've never, you never see John Lester get beat his, you know, get killed like that. I think the, the four homers tied his career high, which has only been done once. It was, you it was quite a, quite a show. Get, you never see him get killed except for that time. The Pirates scored like 10 runs in the first right. inning against him. And the Cubs <laughs> responded by trading for Jose Quintana. <laughs> that was, so what do they do this time? Uh, trade for G- Ross Detweiler. G- Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, something like that. Carlos Rodon. Um, no, yeah, the, it's right. Les, Lester, does, uh, it's very rare to see him get beat up like that. But it was uh, – Sox fans, I can't think of a better – you know, first two games for them. I mean, I guess it would have been better in some sense if Luis Robert and Eloy hit all the homers, but they still produced in those first two games. You know, they homered as well, and that was kind of uh, that was Eloy's for his comment when people asked him, you know, after the game about what, what if if he knew what kind of night it was going to be, and he said it was it was uh, Robert's homer, and he was like, oh, you know, he knew something good was happening. 
I mean, the point where Robert is getting put in a favorable count and then he allowed to tee off, then yeah, that, that's probably a good night. I mean, Robert's somebody who's basically been um, making use of being 0-2 like, from the moment he steps into the batter's box. So if, if right. he's able to wait out counts or you know, Lester's failing to get ahead of him, I, I think that would be a pretty significant symbol. Um, I think LA had like two doubles. Uh, two just absolute missiles to the wall. I think on the during the game there were everyone else like hit a tank or um, you know Bray you hit like three home runs. I was just like no one's absolutely going to remember the, these these doubles at all. But they're like really impressive. But yeah, it, it was just a barrage that really involved every like. I guess the only person who wasn't hot all weekend was Tim Anderson. But you know who. Tim can probably take a week off, and I think he dropped his like average all the way down to like 350 by the time the weekend was over. So it was kind of a you know a, a thing you shrug off at this point. I know, and, and Tim's it wouldn't be the same without fans, but Tim's the guy I put is the the possible like White Sox villain to Cubs fans because just because I can imagine he's irritating if you're a fan of another team when he hits a leadoff homer. And he admires it. That's the kind of stuff that gets meathead fans, you know, aggravated. And I, I feel like he's the heir apparent to AJ in that one. Because he also, like, one great thing about AJ back in the days, and Ozzy too, is they, like, they understood that they were entertainers and that they're, enter- you know, they they were doing stuff for the fans, which, you know, a lot of baseball players, professional athletes will tell you they don't, they don't think about that type of stuff. And that's all just, you know, media and fan things. But those guys would, would admit it that they were doing this for the fans, that they were hyping it up. And Anderson is kind of that guy too because he identifies with Sox fans. I mean, he lives here year-round, lives in the South Suburbs, and he's kind of made it his mission you know, to, to have that entertainer spirit in terms of the Sox fans. So it's it a shame. I guess I guess he can save his, his great games for maybe when fans come back in the stadium. I suppose I don't really think he's hated in that sort of way. I don't no, think, uh, not hated. There's league wide antipathy the way there is for for AJ. Like yeah. uh, there's some. I think like some a, a tweet I or a version of a tweet I saw a couple times when Robert was um you know circling the bases from Cubs fans was like, this sucks, but man, that guy is cool as hell. Um, that would probably be the general like vibe when Tim Anderson does something to to a lot of fans is like. This is annoying that we're being obliterated, but uh, right, he's not you know, a jerk that guy's like one of my AJ. favorite players. <laughs> he's not a jerk like AJ, but I do think in a tight game, if it was you know the fans there, he would be the one that would that that could if anyone on that team could set someone off, it would be him. Right, but, right. He's not AJ. I mean, no one's AJ. <laughs> That's like, it's it's kind of like you know standing athwart the direction of the the game to kind of say like I'm mad about Tim Anderson bat flipping my right. team though. Exactly. What are you going to do? Uh, Whereas AJ is not the leader of a popular movement of any kind. I would say not. AJ was the guy. Remember, how many times did Ozzy have to say the quote? If you're on the other team, you hate AJ. If he's on your team, you hate, you hate him a little less. <laughs> that was like one of his one of Ozzy's go to lines uh, during the decade. But yeah, a- right. Anderson, you just like him in general. Uh, all right. So Jose Abreu leads the way. You know, and that's been a big story in that, like you said, he's not he's, – he's still around. And that, you know, it was kind of a joke last year when he was, you know, campaigning for his new contract and uh, not exactly going by Agent 101 on, and how to do that publicly. 
But you know, it, this made it made perfect sense. He's comfortable here. You know, they're stocking the teams with Cubans. They're stocking the White Sox with Cubans, other Latinos. You know, I'm sure that makes for a comfortable clubhouse for him. You know, a lot of guys can communicate and kind of have fun, and they don't have to always be translating themselves. You know, in, into quiet. And he knew the team was going to be talented. It's it's he's got what 11 home runs right now, and and you know not in the in the running for AL MVP. You know this will be probably be one of his best best finishes in the vote since his rookie year when he actually finished fourth for for a losing White Sox team. So uh, the Jose Abreu stuff's a nice little change of pace. I wish you guys were in the clubhouse to talk to him about it. Yeah, I mean no one's watched as much bad White Sox baseball the last six years as Jose Abreu. Um, so there, there's a decree of, you know, if anybody, there, he was already going to be along for the ride, um, but there's a sense of, well, it, it's nice that he can actually be recognized as this uh, dominant player um, in this time where people are actually paying attention to the team as opposed to like, you know, I don't, I don't know what block a sports center his cycle in 2017 ran in, but I'm betting, you know, probably the last 10 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it, it's – I don't – literally like three weeks ago, he had a sub-700 OPS and he was still kind of cutting on everything and it wasn't going as well. So I didn't know how much I would peg him to, you know, be sitting with a, you know, 669 slugging percentage at the end of September – um, you know, I, I think you can just enjoy his player of the week uh, award and we'll see how it goes from there. But yeah, it, it's definitely just to have a moment of acknowledgement or being seen as part of like a fun White Sox team or and people kind of having a larger appreciation of his career. Yeah, it, it, that's not necessarily what I thought what we were going to get out of this season. It's kind of a you know, unexpected benefit. But yeah, it's very nice for him. I don't think anybody's. Um, I'm probably if anybody is going to be like actually well if you look under hood uh, about Abreu's stats I'd probably be the most likely person to do that I don't think anybody wants to tear him down. <laughs> not not it's just a fun heater he got on, you know I mean right six home six homers in a series four in a row it's just it's just a fun little you know we go over Cub Sox and years you know down the years people will probably talk about that although. I kind of feel like everything from this year is just going to be washed away in that weird year they had. A weird year that got canceled mid-September and none of the stats counted. Hey, let's be a little <laughs> more positive. I think they're going to make it through. Maybe. Um, I all right. think they will not stop no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, But Eloy and Luis also had good games. I mean, Robert struck out four times against you, Darvish, but that's – I mean, that's almost to be expected that you Darvish would be able to have his way with him, especially what do you think of the way Yu's pitching? I don't know if you've watched, gotten a chance to watch him at all, you know, this year, even, you know, that kind of run he went on the end of last year. But I mean, you Darvish right now, he's as tough a test as anyone as you can have uh, as opposing hitters. Yeah, it seems like uh, he, he seems very overwhelming. Um I mean, the the part where I felt like he really showed that he had Luis Robert just like um, his mind like tied in knots was he got him to swing and miss like a two pitches like in the dirt in a row to the point where 0-2, he just threw a 97-mile-an-hour fastball right down the pipe and Luis Robert stared at it. And Luis Robert staring at a fastball down the middle is not <laughs> Luis Robert in the right mental state. So it, it just seemed like he had overwhelmed him to that degree. And some of the stuff... As much as Yuan Mankata has looked like um, 60, 70 percent 
healthy all the last like week or so. Um, some of the the movement on the two seamers that he was throwing him along the zone is just like uh, there was a point where I was like, man, Makata looks off, and then I'd look at the replay. I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe fully healthy on Makata swinging and missing at that as well. That's just kind of absurd levels of movement, and it seems like he can. It didn't seem like he was behind at any point uh, in the game. Um, I mean, even the, the pitch he threw to Abreu, I felt like he was ahead in the count on and just kind of didn't cut as much as he wanted. But, um, it, like, I, I think everybody saw the home run and thought, like, oh, the White Sox are going to bash out again. But really, that was that was the only hint of vulnerability that I saw over, um, you know, seven innings. Yeah, it's good. I, it's probably good for them to get these kind of tests, though, every once in a while. You can't just can't just bash mistakes all the time, especially and, you know, if they are going to be in the playoffs, they're going to have to face good pitching, you know, by and large. I mean, they got five they games get. against the Royals and Pirates coming up. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss the bash mistakes offense too quickly. <laughs> hey, the Pirates are red hot. They've won three in a row. They now have seven wins. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listeners, producer Cam here. Listen, guys, isn't it about time we quit using those generic safety racers and even those electric racers on our basement Chia Pets? I am so tired of the nicks, the cuts, that itchy red razor burn. Golly, how I hate that itchy red razor burn. And you know why this happens? It's because we're using the wrong tools for the job. So let's be smart and let's use the precision engineered tools from Manscaped. Their premium lawnmower 3.0 was not only waterproof, but it includes an LED light. Visibility is important. And it's made with advanced skin safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. Thank you so much, Manscaped. You get this trimmer inside the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver and Undercarriage Deodorant and the Crop Reviver, a family jewel toning spray, both super practical and fragrant because they smell so good. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code the athletic 20 all one word with a two and a zero at the end use the right tools for the job get manscaped let's get back to the show it's trying to write last night and i was trying to come up with some ideas uh, just for for column stuff and i, I think we're, we'll do one on this kind of test drive it here you know there's always those stupid all city teams people do usually right before the first series because usually, you know, a good chunk of the season has been done by the time the Cubs and Sox play. Most years, sometimes it's early, but a Cubs Sox all city team. So I was kind of trying to go through to think, you know, who would be on the all city team. It's obviously pretty loaded with White Sox. So let's go. You want to go through it? Sure. All right. So whether it's three or four pitchers, three or four starters, I think they're. The top three are pretty – well, actually, the top two are obvious. You for the Cubs, Dallas Keuchel for the White Sox. Who would be your number three, Kyle Hendricks or Lucas Giolito? Mm, I would probably say – I mean, I'm biased here. I guess the push away my bias, I would say Hendricks. Um. But I, I think Giolito, um, for the most part, like stuff-wise, has looked like the same guy. And you know, if he is, if he is basically the same guy as he was 2019, fundamentally, even outside of like some the the bad opening he started and the um, I think he said one more stinker in there. Um, I would say Lucas Giolito is a better pitcher than uh, Kyle Hendricks, but you know, 
realistically, they're both in the rotation, so I, I wouldn't try to stress it too much. Um, right. I, I'd more make my stand in that I don't really want another White Sox starter in that group. And um, I just did. Yeah, I just yesterday did was unpleasant starters. for me trying to argue or even suggest the idea that Dylan Cease was not as good as two runs allowed in six innings. <laughs> I, I, in my in my fantasy one, I just did four starters. So I went okay. Kyle, then Lucas, because the thing with Lucas obviously is the walks. You know, yeah. I mean, he's he's struck out forty five. He's walked sixteen. If you look at you, Dallas, and Kyle, they've walked uh, seventeen. Between right, the they've been guys. better so far. Right, so those guys. Now, if you do, I mean, I was trying to come up with three relievers <laughs> between the between the two teams. Um, I just wrote off everyone on the Cubs. I don't think you'd want anyone in their bullpen. Really, they're pretty bad. Who would you want? Uh, I mean, I know that his command has been. I mean, trust isn't a a term I'd throw out super liberally at the White Sox bullpen either. But uh, that's right. Colomay's been nailed, so I can't really like. Right, Colomay's the lock. I mean, I guess you'd put Evan Marshall. Yeah, because Bummer's hurt. Right, because Bummer's hurt. And like then, Bummer might be the best reliever in town when he's healthy, but right, he's not at the moment. Exactly. So who would be? Who would even be a third guy? Do you just have to throw Matt Foster in there. It's Matt Foster season, man. <laughs> right? Is it Matt Foster? Because <laughs> there's no one on the Cubs really that you that's reliable right now. And, you know, I mean, Craig Kimbrell is just a it's a it's a real roller coaster watching him. I it's I sense that yesterday or Sunday was one of the um, better Jeffress's performances, and that. Uh, it, it seemed like he, I I kind of liked the stuff, but it also seemed like he was a uh, you know uh, an inch away from walking the game away yeah, at certain exactly. certain intervals, <laughs> and that probably is something that he has done. I'll, I'll, I'll do more research for the for the last reliever. We can move on. I mean, Abreu. That's what people come to read about, right? Exactly. <laughs> so Abreu, like you have to do a first base and a DH. So, I mean, you'd have to have Abreu. Abreu is obviously, you know, whatever one you want to put him in. Uh, his defense has been pretty good, though, hasn't it? Um, yes, and also, I, I I, mean, the running theme for four years now is his pure um, hatred of DHing. Right. So you have to put, even though Rizzo's, Rizzo likes the uh, shtick of talking to people at first base. Rizzo, I mean, he's been Just bad, make him so first base coach. You could just chat everyone up. Right. Just chat everyone up. All right, we'll put Abreu. We'll give him first since he's having such a good year. Um, he can he can get his choice. Second base. I mean, is it Kipnis? Even though he only plays part time. Do you want Danny Mendick? Not really. And yeah, Nico what, Horner what hasn't Danny done much. Medwick. <laughs> I'll take Danny Medwick. Um, I mean, I guess it's Kipnis. He only plays part time, but at least he's hitting. Yeah. Well, not this weekend. Just no. arguing a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's another part of it. He's a, he's a six tool player. Yeah, uh, he's got arguing down. Uh, shortstop, I think Tim Anderson. It's crazy to you know he's so far in this season at least he's the easy choice. You yeah, know, they're trying to build. Javi in try- the midst of a career worth slump, I guess, is not that appealing. No, they're really trying to over. You know the the. I think NBC Sports Chicago is really trying to pl- play this up, you know, the battle for shortstop. Them playing something up? You got to be I kidding know. me! I know. Usually they're they're so subtle. Um, they're definitely playing that up, but Tim Anderson deserves it right now. 
So we'll put him there. How about third base? I mean, do you have to put Yohan Moncada there? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, in the war of attrition, he's he's right. uh, he's he's limping out of the trench quicker than uh, you know Chris Bryant is. Right. They don't really have anyone. Their backups aren't exactly. Uh, I don't know if you're David Bodie gets the love there, though. He has had he did he's had said some clutch performances. Not a uh, you know facing Gio Gonzalez at the end of the seventh inning. Not one of his finest. So I guess we'll give it to Moncada. Not a, not not so good so far. The outfield is fascinating because it's actually it's it's Eloy, it's Robert, and then Ian Happ. And Ian Happ actually has the highest uh, weighted runs created plus of the three of them. Yeah. Um. I mean, is there another Cub? I mean, I think Schwab has been kind of iffy, right? So. Yeah, his numbers are pretty bad. Defensively, so, yeah, just, not the greatest unit, but I guess they would hit. Well, uh, Ian Happ's not terrible. I guess they'd be under the same protocol yeah, as Ian, the White Sox are, where Luis Roberts just calling everybody off all the time. Uh, yeah, Ian Happ's played decent, right? I mean, he isn't terrible. I'm not sold. Not sold? Okay. But yeah, so it's, it's maybe you're right. It's basically the same, the same as every other outfield. Now, let's say we put a utility player in there. Who would be the utility guy? I mean, I'm tempted just to say Javi, even though he's not hitting, just because he can do so much defensively. Um, yeah, unless you want to want Danny Medwick. <laughs> Adam Angle. As a utility man? Just kidding. Larry Garcia's is, um, his Instagram stories with his daughter while he wears a huge cast at home is, are pretty charming, if you could put him. He could be our social media SM. Yeah. Why not? IG. Yeah, what do you think of this team? How, how, how far could this team, the super team, go? Did we pick a catcher? Oh, yeah, catcher. I'm sorry. That's another one. I, I could just pick McCann over. Well, that's, you know, I went through all the numbers last night, you know, because I'm trying to, I was trying to write this. And it, yeah, it's McCann offensively. And I mean, handles Giolito. Uh, I think the first release of framing numbers uh, for baseball prospectus came out today. And uh, Grandal is like fourth in the league. Okay. And McCann is league average. So, way that. In, nerdily into your uh, calculations. Basically. Weren't a lot of people complaining about Grandal's uh, catching though earlier in the season and some of the framing? Um, the eye tests, the eye tests, I feel like weren't good for him early. I think he is his. He kind of when uh, push comes to shove, he'll let a ball get by him before. Like his framing is such that like it's not selling out to block; it's selling out to frame. So that will allow probably a few more balls to get by him than, um, you know, ideally. Whereas I think James McCann, when his framing stunk uh, last year, you know, would say like, you know, at the end of the day, I will sacrifice framing to make sure I block it. And that's, that's not the school of thought that Grandal was from. And I don't think McCann is from that school of thought either. And he's pulled himself up to average with all the work he's done in the off season. Um, Yeah. But I, I think at the end of the day, Grandal is, numerically productive even if he doesn't like pass the old school eye test okay so you'd say grandal over mccann you're a grandal guy i i am maybe just because i um i don't know i i enjoy his interviews because i feel like there's a level of honesty that there definitely isn't uh with other analysis the Sox uh players and you know i love when new guys come in and are just straight on like you know what i mean it's just it's a nice change of pace when these guys come in that have been other places and don't care about what they, you know, they're not worried about what they say. 
Right, because Grandal, like, he hits a single home run, and we get to talk to him uh, post game, and everyone's like, "Oh, you feel like you're um, progressing offensively?" He's like, "I've been terrible. <laughs> like, that was the first thing I've done all season." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, thank you for acknowledging it. Now we can talk about it in a real way." <laughs> it's it. Yeah, no one's too excited about all doing all these Zoom uh, Zooms with 50 other people, but at least it's nice when sometimes people are honest. James, let's take a moment to hear from one of today's sponsors, DirecTV. Keuchel's been pretty honest, right? Um, I mean, he's yeah, had a good season, so. so, but he's, you know, I feel like he's he's a pretty upfront guy. What do you think of, I mean, Keuchel's basically it's also nice when their guys are just as advertised. And I think, you know, the Sox have had that problem. There's problems in the past when they bring in big free agents with a lot of, uh, you know, hoopla and the guys stink. And he's been the guy that they said, no, he's going to be our, this guy's going to be our rock of the rotation. And it's actually true. You know, he's right. Been, and he was the guy advertised. I did not like peripheral wise where he was trending. Cause I was very much like the, he's just missing fewer and fewer bats and losing more and more velocity and why and you know even even the the health is is not as consistent as it was you know he dealt with like a neck thing i feel like for most of 2017 2018 or something like that i i don't know why you'd buy in here and he's the guy who's just pitching as well as ever at this point and um you know i think encarnacion is probably uh has a bit of that um, this guy is, is struggling right now. What do you do? Andrew Vaughn's in the, the alternate site. Do you, do you kind of move on from this guy? Do you have a one-year deal on? And, you know, the fact that they didn't pinch hit him at any point during that ninth inning rally uh, the other day wasn't wasn't really encouraging. But, yeah, I, I, Keuchel has somehow reversed the flow. And, you know, even Grandal right now is um, he's up to, like, I want to say a little bit over league average offense. So I think that's turning around at least. Um, but, yeah. I, I, su- I did not anticipate Keuchel being the guy who reversed the flow. Were you surprised as I was listening? Because I left a little early on Friday to get home uh, to help with some stuff. And I was listening to the last two innings on the radio. And I know uh, Ron Coomer and, and Pat Hughes were a little a little confused of why why Ricky let, left Dallas Keuchel in so long. You know, almost, uh, what did he get, 119? 114. 114. Okay. They were they were a little perplexed. Were you guys a little confused? Did Ricky say anything about it? For sure. He he didn't really he didn't answer it as directly as he answered my C's questions yesterday. He just said like, you know, Dallas uh Dallas said like I've been feeling as physically great today as I have at any point in the start. Just like there there was a sense that he was building up um his last few starts to this point and you know, I think I want to say when he would pitch in training camp or early in the season, there'd be like this really long wait to talk to him post game. And they'd be like, Oh, Dallas is getting treatment. And I was kind of like, Oh, this is interesting. The 32 year old pitcher, uh, you know, needs like a long time after games. Um, that, that doesn't necessarily speak to longevity, but it seems like it's been trending up. And he, they were talking about like Dallas, you know, wanted to give us length today. We knew he was in a position to do it. So we gave him, but yeah, it felt really needless. There's a sense that with Ronaldo Lopez and Gio Gonzalez being queued up for the next day that they would need, um, you know, the full arsenal of their bullpen, possibly, if things went sideways. And maybe that was part of the calculation. But it's definitely between him and Giolito the last two days in a row, kind of pitching really deep into absolutely um, absolute blowouts that were totally over as competitive enterprises. Uh, it, it, it raised some eyebrows, but at the same time, like, you know, their bullpen 
doesn't have bummer. Um, they have their own uh, weaknesses that they're trying to exploit. Um, the 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 thing I second guessed um, was Sunday was that, and I, I kind of feel like I'm on this island of uh, where you know Dylan Cease is not striking people out. He's not having like the command that you wanted. Um, he seemed like escaping through five innings by the skin of his teeth. And I understand the inclination of wanting to challenge him and giving him a hundred pitches and having him be a guy who faces the lineup three times in a row, but he's been vulnerable against lefties. It was his third time to the order as a one run game and they put him out for the six and he gets ripped for a double by a really slumping hobby bias right after he struck out Anthony Rizzo. And then he gets burned with a two run homer by Kyle Schwarber, a left-hander that basically, um, you know, decides the game and he got Hayward out another left-hander right after that. But it was kind of like this is a situation you could predict. He would be vulnerable um, in his final stretch of work uh, there. And I thought it was a legitimate question to ask. And I thought Renneria answered it very directly, but it, it just seemed like How no one else it? was what even, he, what did he say? He just said like, Oh, we didn't think he was diminished at all. We thought his stuff was still great. We thought, um, you know, I had no doubts about him. And I even kind of gave him the out of like, is this, you want him to be this guy eventually. So you have to challenge him to do it. He's like, no, um, if I thought the game was at stake or I thought he was about to get burned, I wouldn't have done it. It's not a, you know, we're trying to win games. It's, we're not a, it's, it's not a kind of a rebuild mentality at all. Um, I was like, okay, you answer the question. They thought he was fine, but that's how you, it, it felt like no one was willing to analyze the question or cease his performance outside of the results of, Oh, he only gave up two runs in two, six innings. So he obviously he was great. Like Dylan Cease's strikeout rate is nowhere near what Dylan Cease's uh, potential is. And I don't think he's commanding or getting the swings and misses that suggest that he's really in a good, great place right now. And I don't say this as to, rip on Dylan Cease or try to undermine his success. But I watched this guy as a prospect and know he has the stuff to blow away the entire lineup. So the fact he's not doing it suggests to me that like not everything is working right. So to kind of, I feel like I'm in this weird place where I'm the only person who will ask like on the suggestion that, uh, you know, <laughs> did he not look that good to you? And it's just kind of dismissed as like crazy talk. And, you know, I have, half my readers who were kind of saying like um, Ricky's insane to put him out there. And I have half my readers being like, what are you talking about? He's he, he didn't give up any runs. He was clearly great because they don't analyze the game beyond that level. It's just it's a very isolated place to be, to be like the only person who will ask about this or oh. acknowledge any indicators beyond ERA. Uh, Even when Yasmani Grandal told me in January, ERA is the worst stat in the world and he never looks at it. I'm playing the world's tiniest violin for you, James. Thank you. Next up is the Pirates who come to town. Uh, Just two games, right? A little two-game set. Uh, Yeah, home and home because they play them in two games in Pittsburgh. I want to say the start of September. Right. So they've won three in a row. You uh, think the White Sox are quaking in their boots about the Red Hot Pirates? No. um, Though they are like – they're throwing out their they arrange their rotation. They throw Giolito and and, and Keuchel at them, so they're they're not taking any chances. It's like a you know arranging their it's like a I don't know sandblasting a soup cracker is the uh, <laughs> metaphor that comes to mind. Yeah, it should be pretty should be pretty good. But you're right, they shouldn't take any chances. You know, but you got to stack wins right now. They're at what? What do they have? Are they at 17 wins or 16? 17. 17. So their over under was like 32 and a half. 
So before the midway, you know, this is going to be the midway point of the season coming up. And, you know, they're already over the midway point. They're ahead, they're ahead of pace. Let's just say that. So, you know, things are, things are looking pretty good, but we'll always trust on you to, uh, you know, to look for the bad because that's your job. Your job's not to cheer. I'm, well, it's, it's a uh, part of the calculation is I, I feel like there was a lot of, you know, uh, furor uh, about Mankata getting off Friday um, because he looked bad, which I think he validated the next two days with how he looked. Um, was how can he possibly sit out for this huge game? Yeah. This is so important. And oh, is it important to, you know, just shove guys out there for this um, matchup against a good team? Or is there a logic to kind of resting guys and just taking your win probability against these awful teams where you can bank wins um, to like 95% basically, as opposed to like freaking out over pushing all your resources to this kind of 50, 50 games against good teams. And um, it seems like I, I don't think Ricky would admit to anything, but it does definitely seems like they're loading up to make sure they try to sweep this awful pirates team because those are wins for the taking. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for joining us um, here on white Sox business. Always enjoy it. James, uh, have fun at the game. Uh, order some nice food from, are you still ordering food from the team? I have been. I haven't gotten my invoice yet, so I don't know what kind of a hit I'm loading up for by the end of the season. All right. Let's just not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> maybe they're trying to buy your, your favor, though. You got to watch out for that. Don't let them do that, James. Buy your favor with uh, rib. What do, what do they make? Uh, uh, we haven't gotten short ribs since uh, opening day, but uh, if they want to buy my favor to um, write something nice about Matthew Thompson, I will. Okay. Well, I'll, we'll let it go this one time. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. White Sox business. Always a pleasure.